I just want to take a moment uh, for us to just catch our breath, to be in the presence of God tonight. So earlier this week, I started reading a book that I've had on my bookshelf for about eight years. It's called Alone Together by Sherry Turkle. And it's a uh, it's a really fascinating book. So she took 15 years of research and study, and she basically um, did some studying on what the effects that robots and technology have on people. And uh, you think about uh, eight years ago where technology was, you know, I still think about the fact that uh, when I was a freshman in college, it was the first year that you could get a Facebook account without needing a .edu email. Uh, you know, I think about the fact that uh, most of my communication in high school with people happened through email because we didn't really have, I had 400 free text messages. Uh, technology has evolved so much. And so she has, a, she did this book to, uh, to really study the effects of technology. And um, she said something really interesting. She basically argues in her book that uh, the use of technology uh, to replace community is simply an illusion. The use of technology to create community is simply an illusion. I found that really fascinating uh, because, you know, I have to think, of, to be honest with you, uh, seven years ago when I first got that book, eight years ago, however long it was when I first got that book, I was reading through it. And in my mind, there was no absolute way that we would ever be completely dependent on technology, right? In my mind, there was no way that any of us would ever settle for community via a computer or a screen or a TV and say, that's community. I never thought that we would get to a place where technology was so important for us. I also never thought that we would face a pandemic. It's so interesting uh, for me to think of the fact that uh, here we are, right? Technology is so important today and it's keeping us together. Well, anyway, in the book, there's something really interesting. Uh, she does a really interesting study, right? She talks about how technology really uh, has become so many things for us. And one of the studies she does is on this uh, robot teddy bear. I don't know what a better way to call it. Uh, and I don't even know how to pronounce it. I think it was the Paro Pero. It was a, uh, it was a baby seal robot. And uh, the, what it was used for, it was used in uh, nursing homes, and it was used for elderly patients who um, really, uh, not a lot of people came to visit them, they needed some extra attention, and so they were given these robots. And, and what the robot did, it was actually pretty cool. Uh, if you talk to it, it, it could sense where the voice was coming from, and so the, this robot could turn and it could... Um, it, it would turn and it would kind of sense where the voice was coming from to make you feel like it was actually listening to you. Uh, it, it could also detect your emotions, right? So depending on how you would pet the, this, this uh, robot, um, it would sense that maybe you were angry or frustrated or happy, and it, it could sense your mood, and it had a very limited vocabulary. And so uh, you got the sense that you had this companion that depended on you, that uh, responded to your emotions, that could even somewhat respond to you verbally. And, and as she says something uh, really fascinating, she said uh, for patients who had this robot, uh, they were provided relief and comfort. And then she says this, and I'm going to quote this, this kind of moment, right, this moment of relief and comfort, this kind of moment, if it happens between people, has a profound therapeutic potential. That sense of comfort, that sense of being heard, that sense of being in each other's presence has a therapeutic potential. 
I find that very fascinating. Right? And she goes through so many studies just like that uh, of how uh, people become, uh, start using technology to replace a real sense of community, to replace uh, a, a real sense of being in the same room with one another and actually being able to uh, have that physical community with one another. Like I said earlier, I, find it, I found it so fascinating eight years ago that she would write about that potentially happening, happening someday, this full, complete need on technology to be able to have that. And yet, here we are, in the middle of a pandemic, needing technology to be able to have community. Here we are in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a social distancing season, and we have to rely on technology. A gathering with our friends now looks like gathering on uh, either Zoom or Google Hangouts, maybe even Skype, right? Technology is replacing real-life community. You know, even uh, restaurants, right? They are now relying on phone orders, right? You have to call ahead or you have to make an order on the app or on their website, right? Restaurants are needing technology for people to come and eat their food, right? They're using technology while their restaurants are empty. We're hanging out on uh, Zoom while our living rooms are empty. They, they don't have any guests coming to visit. Technology is such a central part of who we are today in the middle of this pandemic, whether you like it or not, technology is playing such a big role. I've got to be honest with you, when the, all these social distancing measures were put in place, uh, I experienced a very similar shift in my heart and in my life. See, I, I feel like a pretty confident church planter. I kind of know the, the processes and the systems that have to be in place. I know uh, the amount of people I have to go out in the community and meet. I know the, the sacrifice it takes. I know how to start small groups. I know how to plan worship. I, I know how to put a team together. I know how to create mission trips and, and mission opportunities. I know how to do all that in, 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 in regular average times but we don't live in that time anymore. And so after these social distancing measures got put into place, I found myself wondering, how can I live into this? Can we begin to have uh, small groups online? Am I capable of teaching the Bible across a computer screen? Am I going to be able to preach in front of a camera? I started having all these questions and all these doubts. This shift in our need for technology and this season of social distancing had me feeling very inadequate. It had me wondering if I was able to do this or not, if I was able to lead this church or not, if I was able to still be a pastor, to still be a husband, to still be a friend or not. I have felt so inadequate so many times. And my guess is that maybe you have felt the same way at some point or another in your life. Uh, this global pandemic has had you uh, going from plan A, from the way things were supposed to be, the way things were, to shifting to plan B. A whole new plan that requires a whole new set of skills that requires something very different from you. All of us, no matter who we are, are having to shift from plan A to plan B. And plan B is, if we're honest, a little terrifying and very difficult. 
See, plan A is uh, dependent on our strengths, right? All of us, I don't care who you are, what you do, all of us kind of uh, come up with plans in our lives based on the things that we're good at right? Plan A is dependent on the things that we're good at. So for me, it was, I felt like a good church planter, therefore I'm going to plant a church. That's plan A. Uh, plan A maybe for you is to be a lawyer or to be a nurse or, or to be a stay-at-home parent, whatever it may be. You, you do these things because you feel like you're good at them. Like you have this, uh, you, you have strengths that can help you accomplish plan A. But see, plan B is the exact opposite of that. Plan B is usually, um, uh, like, I'll give you an example, the pandemic, right, requires a whole different set of skills from all of us in order to be effective. Plan A rests on our weakness. Plan B, or plan A uh, rests on our, our strengths. Plan B trusts that our weaknesses won't derail the plan. Plan B forces us to try new things, to learn new things. And usually, we have to learn things that are out of our comfort zone. Plan A is comfortable because my strengths fit it. I know I can accomplish it, but plan B, when it requires something completely different of me, plan B is scary. There's a scripture in Exodus, and we hear of this guy named Moses, who goes through a very similar situation who has to go from plan A to plan B, and all of a sudden he realizes that this new plan requires something out of him that he doesn't have. Plan A revolved around his strengths. Plan B revolves around his weaknesses, and now he's beginning to worry. Take a listen to my friend McKenna as she reads the scripture for us tonight. Hey, y'all. I'm McKenna, and I'm a part of Mid-City Church. Our reading for today comes from Exodus 4, 10 through 13. But Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor even now that you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who gives speech to mortals? Who makes them mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to speak. But he said, oh, Lord, please send someone else. Thank you, McKenna, for reading that scripture for us. I want to unpack this story for a second. So Moses had a plan for his life, okay? So in the previous chapter from where McKenna uh, started reading for us, we find out that Moses had developed a plan A. And plan A was to, be, uh, to care for this guy named Jethro's flock. He was going to care for them and make sure they had water and food and they stayed safe. That was his plan. In the midst of that, he got married to Jethro's daughter. So uh, his boss was also his, his father-in-law. And, uh, but his plan was to be a, a flock keeper, to, to take care of the flock. And, and he had proven that he was good at this, right? Plan A, I said earlier, revolves around our strengths. So he had proven that he was qualified enough to take care of the flock. See, early in the story, uh, in fact, the way he meets his wife is uh, Jethro had sent his daughters uh, and his flock to go uh, get water, to, to go uh, to the watering hole, essentially, and, and to go get water. And while they were there, a group of shepherds came and started to run Jethro's daughters and the flock away. 
And so Moses saw this. He comes up, he, he protects them, and he makes sure that the flock gets enough water. And, and then the daughters in this flock go back to their home. And, and the father is impressed. He loves that Moses did this and invites him over and allows Moses to marry one of his daughters. But, but see, in plan A, right, Moses taking care of the flock, Moses had already proven that he was good at taking care of flock. He was good at protecting them. He was good at making sure they had enough water, making sure that people stayed safe. He had proven that plan A was the right plan for him because he had the gifts and graces to accomplish plan A. But then Moses comes in. Uh, Then God comes in. And God says, Moses, I like your plan. It's cute. (laughs) It's fun. But I have a different plan for you, Moses. You see, God looks at Moses and says, "I I know your plan A, but here's plan B. You're going to go back to Egypt, and you're going to free the Israelites from slavery. You're going to go back, and uh, my, my people are being oppressed by Pharaoh, and you're going to release them from slavery into freedom. You're going to release them from slavery to the promised land. See, plan A, Moses' plan, was to take care of the flock, because that's what he was good at. And God says, I have a different plan for you, Moses. Why don't you say yes to this? I can relate to that. I'm sure you can too, right? How many times have we had our plans and all of a sudden it's like we have to go in a different route. This pandemic has done that to a lot of us. We had our plan. We were good. We were going to execute that plan. And now we have to shift our focus a little bit. So here's Moses and uh, God has told him about, about plan B. And Moses begins to come up with a whole bunch of excuses as to why he can't go deliver the people from slavery to freedom, right? As any of us do, as all of us do, right? In the midst of having to change from plan A to plan B, the first thing we do is argue as to why we don't want to go to plan B. And Moses begins to say this. He says, uh, God, I can't speak. He says, God, I can't speak eloquently. Can you please uh, send somebody else? These are his words. Please, God, send someone else. You see, he looks at God and says, God, I know you want the people freed from from Egypt, but uh, I can't speak well, and and that means I don't have the strengths to accomplish your plan. Therefore, I'm going to say no to plan B, God. I don't have the strengths. I don't have the gifts and graces to accomplish plan B, God. Therefore, just send somebody else. Would you please, God, just send somebody else? You see, I think Moses' fear was uh, very fair, right? Hey, God, your plan requires me to have this gift, and I don't have that gift, so why don't you just go find somebody that does? Can you relate to that? Plan B says... uh, plan B requires a gift, a skill, a grace that we just don't have. And it's so easy to say, God, just find someone else. What is it about plan B that scares you? For Moses, it was that he couldn't speak eloquently. But what is it about plan B that scares you? What is it about living in this pandemic that scares you? Maybe, uh, living, uh, uh, gathering, right, on all these social media platforms can seem overwhelming. Maybe you don't know the difference between Snapchat and Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and uh, TikTok and a whole bunch of others. How can we continue to live into plan A if, if we don't know these different social media platforms? 
Maybe you don't know how to use Zoom or Skype. You see everybody else around you having these meetings uh, on the internet, and you just have no clue how to even begin. Plan B is scary because it usually requires a set of skills from us that we do not have. I'm going to say that again. Plan B is scary because it usually requires a set of skills from us that we do not have. That's why it's easier to live into plan A. So what do we do with all this? What do we do with our fear of living into plan B? What do we do with the fact that none of us are prepared to live into plan B, that none of us have all the gifts and graces to live into plan B? What do we do with this? Well, I want to point out this. In verse 12, God says something very interesting, I think very important. God says this, I'm going to quote, I will be with your mouth and I will teach you what you are to speak. I'm going to say this again. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 4, verse 12. It says, I will be with your mouth and I will teach you what you are to speak. I find that so powerful. See, when, when Moses looked at God and said, God, I don't have the gifts to, to, to really execute plan B. I don't have the gifts and graces to not let you down. God, plan B is not for me. Pick someone else because I don't have the gifts for that. God looks at Moses and says, I know you don't have those gifts, Moses. I know you're not talented. I know you don't speak eloquently, but Moses, I'm going to teach you what to say. See, God looks at you and God looks at me. God looks at all of us, right? And invites us to jump into plan B, to say yes to this new way of doing life, to, to say yes to plan B. And our response, I know my response is to say, God, that sounds great, but I don't have the gifts for that. I don't have the talent for that. I don't know how to even begin to go down that path. And God says, Fernie, I know, but I'll teach you. I look at God over and over again, and I tell God why I'm not good enough to live into plan B. And over and over again, God simply says, Fernie, just jump in. Say yes to plan B, and I will teach you along the way. Isn't that powerful? See, I want you to hear something. I have sp uh, spoken to so many people about this, uh, having to change the way we do life in the midst of this social distancing. And I promise you, I haven't met a single person who said they were prepared for this. I mean, there's scientists, there's doctors who are paid to prepare for something like this, and even they weren't fully prepared. I, I was talking to a friend who works in marketing last week, and I asked him, I said, you were probably very ready for this, right? I mean, everything you do revolves around social media and involves being online. It didn't, this didn't affect you, right? And he says, Fernie, of course this affected me. He says, the way I, I record videos, the way I meet with customers, the way I get to hear people's stories, he's like, all of that is down the drain. All of us, nobody, it doesn't matter uh, how prepared you thought you were, none of us were prepared to live into the plan that we're living into right now. None of us were prepared uh, for a pandemic. None of us were prepared for the, the aftermath of living into a pandemic. None of us were prepared for any of this. So when you feel like you're failing, when you feel like you're struggling, when you feel like you're not good enough, when you feel like you don't have the gifts and graces to get through this, I want to tell you this. You're right. You don't. 
But God wants to help you and lead you and teach you and teach me and teach all of us. God knows so well that we were not prepared for this. God knows so well that I was not prepared to be an online pastor. God knows so well that maybe you were not prepared to uh, live into your job and also be a, uh, a teacher to your kids. God knows so well that maybe you were not prepared to uh, move your business online. God knows that you were not prepared to maybe uh, live into community online. God knows that you were not prepared, that you don't have the gifts and graces to lead through this on your own, but God does and God wants to teach you and lead you through this. I want you to hear those words one more time that God says to Moses, I will be with your mouth and I will teach you what you are to speak. Beloved, God doesn't care that you might not have the gifts and graces. God is simply looking at you and saying, jump in. Be courageous and say yes to plan B. And the places where you feel like you're going to fall short, I will teach you and help you grow so that you won't fall short. God is calling us to jump in, to say yes to plan B. Even though we feel inadequate and like we don't have what we need to be successful in plan B, God is saying, jump in and trust me. I will teach you along the way. You see, plan B does not require you to have every gift perfected. It simply requires a willingness on your part to say yes. In the trying, God will teach you. In the trying, God will lead you. In the trying, you will develop the skills you need to get through plan B. So I want to challenge you tonight. I want to challenge you, whatever it is that you're doing, whatever it is you're struggling with, whatever plan B God is calling you into, you might not feel like you have what you need to get through plan B. But I want to challenge you tonight to be courageous. I want to challenge you tonight to take the leap and to say yes to God. Say yes to whatever plan B God is calling you to. Whatever it is you're doing, whatever plans you had, whatever it is that you have to go in this season of uh, pand global pandemic and this season of social distancing, wherever it is you're being called to lead your organization, maybe your family, your friends, your neighbors, wherever it is you're being called to lead, say yes. Don't focus on your shortcomings. Don't focus on the negatives. Don't focus on the fact that you might not have all the skills necessary. Focus on saying yes. Take that leap of faith. And I promise you in the saying yes, God will teach us to grow, to lead, to be effective. Plan A revolves around our strengths. But plan B looks at our weaknesses and says, it's going to be okay. Be courageous. Say yes to God. Live into plan B, and you will be amazed what God can do through you and through all of us. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks. God, I know every time we step into uh, 
Every time we're about to step into plan B, every, these, these places where our plans fall apart and we have to shift into a new way of doing life and living life, every time we step in those moments, God, it, it, it can feel like we are too weak to lead ourselves through that. Like we don't have the gifts and graces to lead ourselves through that. God, remind us tonight that our weaknesses are your strengths. Remind us tonight that when we are courageous, when we say, yes, we'll jump in, we'll live into plan B, we will trust you, God. Remind us that when we do that, just as you taught Moses and you helped Moses grow in his speaking abilities, God, you will help us. You will lead us. So that eventually we'll look back and realize that our weaknesses were never really weaknesses that our weaknesses actually made us stronger because we allowed you into our lives. We allowed you to guide us and lead us and form us and transform us. So God, tonight, give us the strength to jump into plan B. Give us the strength to let go of our uh, of plan A, of our original plans, of our original way of doing things as comfortable as they were and as much as we want to go back to them. God, help us say yes to plan B. Help us live into this new way of doing life. Trusting that in the places we fall short, you will raise us up. God, we give you thanks. And God, we pray this in your most precious and most glorious name. Amen.